obviously he didn't pay any attention to it. Don't say something stupid, but uh, that's all good. Uh, look at your neighbor, say neighbor. People in Lake Tahoe need Jesus too. Okay, so. So, uh, but I, I count it an honor and a blessing to be with you guys this morning. Now, how many of you never heard me speak before? Raise your hands. Okay. Uh, guys, give them a hand. The person seated next to you, that's your who? Okay, and we're about keeping it what? Okay, so Ephesians 4.25 says, Cease then with lying and tell your neighbor the truth because we're not separate units but intimately united in Christ. I think that's God's way of say, telling us to, to be real with each other. And this is a safe place for men. And uh, I, I'm really hoping that this is where God wanted me to go today. And I'm going to just share some things with you. And uh, I, I'm, today's going to be like a hand grenade. I'm going to like pull the pin and I'm just going to throw it out there. And then uh, whatever fragment hits you, hey, that's the one you're supposed to take home. Amen. Okay, uh, just so for those guys who haven't heard me speak before, born and raised in New York City, grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family, kind of crazy stuff, a wild kid, uh, quit school, became, joined the military, uh, got out of the service in 1969, say neighbor. neighbor. He's a pretty old guy. Okay. Matter of fact, I'll be 75 on, um, on Monday, and that's like, dang. <laughs> say neighbor. neighbor. He can't be that old. <laughs> Okay. See, neighbor? Black don't crack. Okay, so. Now, don't go home trying that with your black friends because you're going to end up in a fist fight. So don't, don't go there. But, uh, but I, I, you know, went on the police department. And one of the things, that, that badge and gun and uniform didn't have the ability to change the character of, of the man. And I had no character. I was a character, but had no character. And 10 years into my time on the job as a detective on the SWAT team, I got real, watching television one day, December 26, 1980, at 2.45 in the afternoon. Many of you know this. And a man asked two questions. He said, are you a sinner? Yes. You know Jesus? No. Call this telephone number. I called the telephone number, and I prayed with a man, received Christ into my life, totally set free from drugs and alcohol, uh, filled with God's spirit, and things haven't been the same since. And it's been an up and down, wild roller coaster ride since then. Amen? Amen. Okay. So let's... let's Okay, I won't go there today. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to talk about this. You know, we're gonna, if I were to give this a title, and I have, and I don't like doing that, a few good men. Uh, really, in comparison to how many men could be here, there's only a few of us here. And uh, God knew who was coming. God knew that you would be here. He knew I would be here. Say, neighbor. neighbor. What does God want to say to you today? How many of you have ever heard a talk or a sermon and you went like, oh, so-and-so needed to be here to hear that word? How many people have ever done that? Okay. But they weren't there. Say, neighbor. I wonder who God was talking to. Just a thought. Okay. But I, I want to talk about a, a few good men. And um, the Marines are looking for a few good men, the commercial says. And uh, I believe so is God. I, I watched a little uh, a blurb about that. And it says, the Marines are looking for a few good men, men of adventure men of courage, and men who know the meaning of honor. And that really kind of hit me. And I really believe that that's what the, what the body of Christ is, is all about. And so I want to start off with a, with a real short story about a guy named Ralph Henry Johnson. On March 5, 1986, I'm sorry, 68, he was on a hill in Vietnam, uh, Hill 141. And uh, he was in a 15-man reconnaissance patrol, and that patrol was attacked by North Vietnamese soldiers and Ralph and some of his friends were in a fighting hole and North Vietnamese soldier got close enough through a hand grenade. Ralph yelled for guys to jump for cover and he took himself and threw himself on that grenade. And as a result of that, he absorbed the full blast of the grenade, which killed him instantly, but it saved the life of his friends. As a result of what he did, 
He was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. You don't win the Congressional Medal of Honor. It's not something that you vie for, but it's something that someone else who has seen this act of bravery put you in for that, and he was awarded that. Uh, the Navy even continued to honor him 50 years after that same month. Uh, they named a USS destroyer after him, Ralph, the, Ralph, the USS Ralph Johnson. And I think about those men who lived through that. And maybe you say, well, Bill, why are you, why are you talking about that? Why are you talking about something uh, that happened, you know, back during the Vietnam conflict? But the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Jesus says in John 15, 13, he says, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And I call you my friends if you do what I tell you to do, if you do as I command you, like, wow. You know what I love about Jesus? He led by example, and there are people in the Bible who led by example. I really believe my first 10 years on the police department, people would say the exact same thing about me, but I, I think about this, okay? Uh, as I said, the Marines are looking for a few good men. I believe so is God. Well, how do you know, Bill? Here's what the Bible says uh, in Acts 13 and, and in 1 Samuel 13. The Lord sought for himself a man. Wow. God was looking for a man. I chose you. Wow. Knowing all that I know about me, why would he choose someone like me? I have no idea, but I'm glad he did. Amen? And then on the night that he, this isn't where I want to go, but I want to get this in here because I think it's important to where I want to go today. On the night that he would be betrayed, the night uh, that, that he would be killed, in Luke 22, 31, it says it this way, Jesus speaking to his boys, Jesus, who in a little while is going to die. And he looks around the room and he sees these guys and he says, Simon, Simon, talking to Peter, focused in on Peter. Some of you've heard me talk about this before. Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. And what does he pray? He doesn't pray that Peter doesn't fail, but I pray for you that your faith does not fail. Say neighbor, faith is what you need. Okay. And the Bible says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? Amen. How many of you have some struggles in your life? How many of you don't read the Bible as much as you think you should? How many of us don't pray as much as we think we should? Say neighbor. No wonder we having so many problems. Okay. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Okay. So that's where faith comes from. But really in the Greek, it, 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 the original language is Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you all to sift you as we, but I have prayed for you that all, that, that all right there is, he desires to have you all is plural. And then he said, but I prayed for you and that you is singular for the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. He, in other words, he's always praying. And I've wondered about that, that verse for a while now. Why did Satan want to have those guys to sift him as wheat? Why did he want to take them out? Here's what I believe. I believe Satan saw something in them that they did not see in themselves. And I believe Jesus saw even more. Jesus knew who these men could be if they, you and I, we would allow him to have his way in our lives. Amen? Amen. And so I want you to keep that in the, in, the, in the back of your mind. Here's what 2 Timothy 2 and 3 says it this way. You, therefore, talking about us, Timothy, uh, you, therefore, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, we're called to be soldiers. We've been drafted into the army of God. He's the one that chose us. Amen? Amen. Okay. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life. That he may please him who's enlisted him 
as a soldier. I, I think about that. It didn't say don't get involved in the affairs of this life, but he said don't get entangled in the affairs of this life. And as the soldiers, he said, he that wars, say neighbor, neighbor. you're in a war. Say neighbor, if you don't realize that, you've already been taken prisoner. Okay, so I want us to think about that. God is calling us that we are the soldiers of the Lord. We're in his army and he tells us how to live and he tells us why to live this way so that we might please him who's called us to be a soldier. And, and so I, I, I love reading the Bible when it, for me, it turns into a movie. And, and so I see things and we're gonna go all the way back to the book of Judges and all of you probably know this story, uh, but I think about the book of Judges and, and it starts off this way in paraphrasing just for the expedience of time. Israel is in trouble. America is in trouble. Amen? Amen. I believe America's turned its back on God, and as a result of that, we are reaping the whirlwind. Okay? Israel turns its back on God. They reap the whirlwind, but it doesn't change God's love for them. It doesn't change God's love for us. But God, because he's a loving God, will give us a spanking. The Bible says the Lord chastens those that he loves. And the chasing of the Lord is not joyous, but it's grievous. But it yields peaceable fruits to those who have been exercised by it. Say, neighbor. God will give you a spanking. You know, I know there are cultural differences and, and, and sometimes with, with, with black and brown people and white people over here, white people got this thing called timeout. All right. Amen. There ain't no timeout in the hood. Timeout is the time it takes you to wake up after you got knocked out. I'm just saying that, that at least that's the way it went in my house. Okay. But, but God he deals with them. And the way he dealt with them was he allowed Midian. And if you read the Bible, whenever Israel would get out of hand, he would allow, God would allow ungodly nations to come in and chasten them. And then now here's a problem with that. Take a look and see what happened to those, those nations a little bit later on. But he would use them to, to spank them. And so now Israel's in trouble. People are hiding. They're in the caves. They're on the mountains. They're trying to keep uh, their, their food supplies together. And there's a guy up there whose name is Gideon. And, and you know what? There's nothing really special about this guy. He's no different, I believe, than you and I, okay? But God sees something in him. Bible doesn't tell us why. God, God doesn't tell us completely what. But here's what it says. As he's out threshing wheat, in Judges 6.12, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Wow. First of all, we're never alone. Sometimes we feel like we're alone, but God has made a promise to us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll be with us always, even until the end of the world. And so here he is. He's up there threshing wheat, and God shows up. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor? Where, where, where's the valor? He's hiding just like everybody else. Could it be that God sees something in him that he doesn't see in himself? Moving on down to Judges 6.14, then the Lord turned to him and said, because now he's going like, here's what he does. He, he starts complaining. Anybody here ever complain to the Lord? Anybody here ever make up, up, up excuses for your shortcomings? Anybody in the house besides me? Oh, just six of us? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Anybody here ever make up excuses for yourself? Raise your hands, please. Say neighbor. How come you didn't raise your hand the first time he asked that question? And really, sometimes we don't know because we know, know how to be real. We don't know how to be honest and we don't know how to be transparent. And when we're not, we do other people a disservice because they're going through their trials and they think you're not and I'm not going through mine because I never talk about mine. And so God works for us, but it doesn't work for them. And at times it doesn't seem to work 
for all of us. But God is there and he has a way of catching up with us. You know, if God is with, if God is for us, why are we going through all of these kind of things? And God explains that and God sends a prophet, you know, whenever God doesn't leave you in the lurch. If things are if things are out of out of line, God has a way of showing up. He'll show up through a person, he'll show up through his word, he'll show up through the Holy Spirit to let you and I know when we've gotten ourselves out of hand. Okay. And so then he goes on to say in verse 16, and the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. And, I, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So let me stop here. The Midianites have come in this ungodly nation. We believe there's at least 135,000 of them. The Bible says they covered the land like, like locusts. And here's what the Bible says. He's going to do it. How is that going to happen? Because the Bible says in Romans 8.31, and this is for you and I, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on your side, God goes, I got you. God says, nothing will overtake you unless I allow it. And if I allow it, it'll be for his glory. Amen? Amen. Okay. So, so, but before we get going, his dad was an idol worshiper and, and God required him to go and tear down those idols. And he gets some guys and he goes at night and they tears them down. And if God were to step to you and I today, if there are things in our lives that God wants us to get rid of, what does he want us to get rid of? What does he want you to get rid of? What does he want me to get rid of? What are the things that we're doing that displeases him? We want to live a life that's pleasing to him because he's called us to be these soldiers. But all of us, I would think, have certain things in our lives that displease the Lord. Amen? Amen. Say neighbor. Amen. Don't act like you don't know what that brother's talking about. <laughs> How many of you can put your finger on at least one thing you know that God has been after in your life? Straight up in the air. Like, this is not an auction. Raise your hand straight up in the air. <laughs> now, keep your hands up. Look around the room. Say, neighbor. Dang. Okay. Okay. So he gets rid of that. And so now he gets an army. And they call this army together. And I'm just going to rush through this. I, I love it. I remember uh, my son, when he came home from school, you know, I, like I said, I, I dropped out of high school and um, he came home with the new math. I immediately sent him to his mother. I had no idea what he was talking about. But the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And I think God uses the new math right here. How many guys show up? 32,000 men show up to fight. Wow. The odds are five to one. And then God says, you have too many men. I don't know. Gideon doesn't say anything, but he's got to be thinking something. Have you looked across that valley? You know, what is it like when you line up against an army and you do, you do this? And God says, you have too many. So God says, tell everyone who is fearful, listen to me, fearful and afraid to go home. 22,000 men went home. 22,000 men like, see ya. And now we're down to 10,000. 13.5 to one. As a police officer, I've been in quite a few fights. I've never fought 13 guys at one time. You fight 13 guys, a pretty good chance you're going to end up in the hospital. Amen? Amen. And I've seen Bruce Lee take out 13 guys, but Bill Page, he's going to have footprints all over his clothes. And God says, you have too many men. Because if you win with 10,000, you're going to take credit for it yourself. 
He says, I want to test these guys. He said, take them all down to the brook. And he says, the ones that get down on their hands and knees and drink water out of the, out of the brook, set them on one side. And the ones who get down on one knee and drink water out of their hands or lap from their hands like a dog laps, set them on the other side. And so here are 300 men on this side who are, who've gotten down on one knee and then 9,700. And I wonder, does Gideon say, well, 9,700, that's not too bad. <laughs> and God says, tell the 9,700 to go home to their place. I will do this with 300 men. And then he says this, and you could read this for yourself in, in Judges 6, 7, and 8, but this is in chapter 7. If you are still afraid, get your servant Pura and go down into the Midianite camp. If you're still afraid. He was afraid but he wasn't fearful and afraid. See, there's nothing wrong with, if, if I took out a gun and pointed at everybody, I would hope that your heart rate would begin to increase. Amen? Amen. Say neighbor. Amen. Oh, I'm getting under the table. <laughs> okay, but, but it doesn't stop you from being willing to face a situation. So he goes down into the camp. And just as he goes down into the camp, is at the change of the watch. And, and men, listen to this, because I think it's important for us. A guy comes out of his tent who's just had a dream. Oh man, I just had a dream. A gigantic barley loaf rolled down into the camp and, and destroyed the camp. And a guy shows up to give him the interpretation. They don't know that Gideon is there. Gideon is listening. Oh man, that can be nothing but the sword of Gideon. And the Lord has given the camp into his hands. Can you imagine hearing that? They're afraid of Gideon. They realize God is with Gideon. And you know what Gideon does? He drops on his knees and worships the Lord. And I think about that. He doesn't go like, yeah, I'm all that. But he realizes God is really with him. And he's thankful to God. And when you get down and you worship God at a time like this, at a time of celebration, it's really a humbling of yourself. And the Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And so Gideon goes back up to his boys. Okay, here we are, 300. And you know what I love about this story? The 300 guys never said anything either. And then Gideon tells him, you guys do what I do. He led by example. I feel this right here. I see many of you guys here today with suits. Probably most of you have a job. I'm unemployed, so uh, I got nothing to lose. You know what I'm saying? And, and so the deal is people in your job are watching you. People are checking you out. Maybe they know you're the God guy. What do they see? What is the evidence of God that they see in your life? Do they see you as a man of valor? Do they see you as a man of integrity? Do, 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 do they see you as a man of purity? who doesn't get involved in the silly things. Trust me, men, people are watching you. People are watching you. You're a light in a world of darkness. You're that city that's set upon a hill that can't be hidden. You're the salt of the earth. God has sprinkled you into your families. He sprinkled you into your homes so that he can receive the glory out of your life. Amen? Amen. So in the meantime, they have this plan. God gives the plan. 
And it wouldn't be the plan that I would give because the Bible, but the Bible says God's ways are not are my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts and neither are, are as high as the heavens are above the earth. That's how far his thoughts and ways are removed from ours. Amen? Amen. So God comes up with a plan. 300. 300 men who don't say anything. 300 men who've chosen not to run away. 300 men who recognize the call that's on their life. And I stop here. I look back over these 42 years and I look at how many battles I chose not to fight. I think about the battles I chose to tiptoe away from. I think about David when, when the kings go forth to battle and David stayed in Jerusalem. Say neighbor. neighbor. Say this with authority. Say neighbor. neighbor. The day you choose not to fight, fight is the day you lose. I want you to think about that before I tell you the plan. When I was on the job and I was a police officer, we got a call on the radio, 1029, fight in progress. I was riding with a real big guy, his name's Carmen Rivera. So we just took the fight. We say, we're right up the street, we'll take that fight call. And we thought, and maybe somebody, that might've told this story here before, we thought that if we get there and there'd be only two guys fighting, no big deal. I, Carmen's got my back, I got his. We get there and there's at least 40 to 50 people fighting. And once you're on the scene, you can't turn the car around and go away. And so Carmen looks at me and he says, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to break up this fight. And I say this to the glory of God. Carmen looks at me like I'm crazy, but he follows me. I said, you make sure you have my back. And we got out of the car and we waded into this fight. And I'm telling you, as I waded into this fight, whoever I touched, they stopped fighting. I didn't have to say anything. I just put my hands on them. They stopped fighting. To my, I'm walking in and I'm saying to myself, how come nobody's taking a swing at me? Because the Bible says, if God be for you, he's more than the whole world that would be against you. The Bible says the angels of the Lord encamped about those that fear him. God was with us that night. I spoke at a church up the street from where that fight took place. The church mother came to me. She said, you're that police officer, ain't you? I said, yes, ma'am. She says, I was on the balcony that night. And she said, it was amazing to me as you touch people. Uh, I, I tell you a little bit more about that fight, but I don't feel like being made fun of. So... Uh, <laughs> Well, here's the favor God can give you. I took one punch that night. A kid popped me in the chest, just knocked me back a step, and then he ran away. And I heard somebody say to him, you just hit Bill. And that kid came back about me to you, and he says, Bill, I swear to God, I didn't know that was you. And he took off. I was like, yeah, boy. Okay, so. <laughs> Meanwhile, back to Gideon. Okay, so. <laughs> But God is with us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change, men. And, and so here, uh, here's the plan. Okay, here's what I need everybody to do. Gideon speaking. Uh, everybody get a torch and everybody get a, a trumpet, okay? And uh, put a, a clay vessel on top of the torch. Light the torch and put a clay vessel on it, okay? And we're going we're gonna to surround the, 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 the Midianites on three sides. It's amazing to me when I read this, God always gives you a way of escape. The Bible says there's no temptation taking you and I, that, but such is common to a man. But God is faithful who will always give you a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. All right. Amen? Okay, so, so he was giving him a way out. Okay, so now here's what we're going to do. At the given signal, we're going to blow the horn, and then we're going to break the vessels, and we're going to scream the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Not the sword of Gideon and the Lord, but the sword of the Lord and Gideon. You know what I think about this? Having been on a SWAT team, if you've got a trumpet in this hand and you've got a torch in this hand, 
guess what you can't use? You can't use a sword. You can't use a sling. You can't use a spear. You can't use a bow. But the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but they're mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. Wow. The torch, the clay vessel. I really believe that torch represents the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Where is it, though? Inside of a clay vessel. What are you and I made out of? Clay. What does the Bible say about that? For we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You and I are not the treasure. We're just a treasure chest. And it's God who shows up. It's God who gives us the power. Paul said, in me, that is in my flesh, in my humanity dwells no good thing, but it is no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives inside of me. Wow. I'm thinking if I'm standing there, I'm going like, yeah, okay, what's, what's the rest of the plan? That's it. That's it? Okay. And those guys had to be down with that. Are you down with God? Are you down to do whatever the Lord asks you to do? Are you willing to lay your life down? You may never have to, but are you willing to do it should you have to? I want you to think about that. I want you to think about God's grace. I want you to think about God seeing more in you than you see in yourself. Recently, I talked to a guy who I was in complete agreement with. There have been times that I've cursed myself out because of my shortcomings and failures. And I've had the Lord speak to me and say, I never say those things to you. Why? Because God sees something in me that I don't see in me. It's God that shows up. And so they were obedient and Gideon leads the charge and they, they blow the trumpets and they break the vessels and there's this light, 300 trumpets around those guys. And the Bible says, and the Midianites drew their swords and they killed one another. And then these men pursued them and they were joined by others. And by the time the battle was over, 120,000 Midianites lay dead in the valley. That's because if God is for us, he's more than the whole world that would be against us. The same God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always, even till the end of the age. I will lead you. I will guide you into all truth. I will keep you in perfect peace. We're coming out of this crazy pandemic. We, some of us have probably been overwhelmed. Paul wrote these words, and I close with this. Brothers, I want you to know about what we went through while we were were in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed. Anybody here ever been overwhelmed? Anybody here ever just wonder how are we going to get out of this? How many of you have ever gotten out of this, whatever this was, and you have no idea how that happened? Anybody in the house? We were completely overwhelmed. We told ourselves that this is the end. In other words, he thought he was going to die. But now, in retrospect, he looks back on that. But now, we know that we had that experience to the coming, to the end of ourself. And in one translation, it says that we would learn not to trust in ourself, but in God who can raise the dead. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. it's about to be on. About to be on. <laughs> say, neighbor, neighbor, I'm getting ready for the battle. Because the battle is not mine but the battle belongs to the Lord. Belongs to the Lord. However, However, 
I got to show up for the fight. Okay. Father God, today in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these, your sons. I ask your blessings upon them. Lord, the things that they bring to you in secret, you who see in secret, you said you would reward them openly. I pray, God, that we would all get the things out of our lives that are displeasing to you. Father, that we would lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us and run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, and who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Let us consider one who suffered at the hands of evil men, lest we become wearied in our minds. Lord, we have been called into a fight. Lord, let us fight for our families. Let us fight for our communities. Let us fight for your honor and your glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And when we get the victory, let us immediately fall to our knees and give you the worship that you're due. In Jesus' name, amen.